Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a podcast from the Mercantile Library where readers have gathered since 1835 to connect, debate, and discuss. In today's installment of the Lit Review are a reverent discussion of literature. Two of the library's most avid readers, Virginia Anderson and Lindsay Nichols, are talking about Anne Patchett's latest novel, The Dutch House. It's a compulsively readable family drama about sibling bonds in the face of an evil stepmother. Virginia, and this is the Lit Review. Uh, it's a podcast. It's lit because it's literary. We're going to talk about books today, and um, it's lit because we might get lit. We're here to have fun. So um, I said this. It's the book club where everybody reads the book and really wants to talk about it. So I'm very excited today. Um, I have uh, Mercantile Library member Lindsay here, and we're going to talk about The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. So um, Lindsay, thank you for being here. If you want to introduce yourself to our rabid fan base. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This is such a fun idea, and I'm you know, very glad to very glad to participate. Um, I am a former English major turned lawyer, um, and so, oh, so you're my gonna be like really good at this. You might become the new host. Oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I would go that. Far. I don't think I would go that far. Um, but I, now I've kind of um, like fiction has gone from you know being something I was you know I did in school to just kind of being my like fun escape from you know everyday everyday stuff. Awesome. Great. Well, um, as I mentioned, we're, we're talking about The Dutch House today by Ann Patchett. Um, for those of you, you being the listener, who haven't read this book, um, a brief summary, I guess. It's about a brother-sister duo. Um, they Their mother, I mean, I was like, I don't think any of these things are spoilers because I feel like they're on the inside uh, flap here, but their mother leaves them and they're left with their father and he's kind of emotionally distant and um, he gets remarried and um, follows their life from that point on um, for the next 50 some years. So uh, a lot of family dynamics at play. Um, Lindsay, what did you think of this book? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Uh, What was your reaction? I loved this book. Um, I am uh, a fan of Anne Patchett to begin with, but I think this actually may be my favorite book of hers, but I can't quite put my finger on why. Yeah. Because uh, I loved, you know, some other ones like Commonwealth and Bel Canto that we were just talking about. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's maybe the characters, maybe the like the sibling relationship is really interesting. Um, but I also love how central the, the house is to the book. Like the house is a character in and of itself, which I think is such an interesting, I don't know, such an interesting thing to see. For sure. I I love this book as well. And um, I mentioned earlier, I'd read other Ann Patchett and never, I wasn't like a fangirl, like out beating the streets, reading Ann Patchett books before this, but I love this one. And um, one of the things, and I said this to someone, I was like, I love like any story that has Irish Americans. So they're all, I mean, they're they're Americans, but they're mm-hmm. of Irish descent and they're Catholic. I'm like, oh, those details. Like, I'm like, it me. That sends yes, me. I yes. love those all the time, <laughs> even though it's like kind of, it's not, I, I was like, well, it's not really about those things. I right. mean, those just happen to be biographical details, but I always like those sort of, uh, those things always get me. Um, and then the ma- main character, the the sister has diabetes, type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. which my dad actually has type 1 diabetes. So, like, I felt like all these details, I was like, oh, like, I could really relate to exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. Even though they were sort of in the background sort of things. And um, 
like you said, the house was a character, um, which is interesting. And I always think of this is really stupid comparison, but um, the TV show Sex and the City, people were always like, oh, the fifth character is the city. And it's like, oh, pfft, like what a dumb thing to say. But <laughs> in this case, it's true. The mm-hmm. house is a character yes. as much as the actual people. Um, and, and that, I think, is a really interesting concept. And um, she does a good job building that character out. Um, one of the things um, that I thought was interesting when I was sort of preparing for this um, I read a review in the New York Times and it described it as a fairy tale, this this story. Um, so I didn't know if you had any thoughts, what you think. Is this a fairy tale in your opinion? Does that is that an accurate description? That is um that's a really good question. I I think I may have seen the same review where they said it was like a almost like a dark fairy tale. Um I don't know. It was almost kind of like a reverse fairy tale for me um, because, and again, I don't think this is giving away anything in the book, um, but the family was very poor to begin with. And then through a, st- a series of uh, you know really good real estate deals, the dad, so Danny and Maeve's dad, Cyril, kind of gets a ton of money and is able to buy this um this Dutch house and then you know Maeve tells it later like she goes and it's all of a sudden she gets to be I think she actually said princess in a castle like she has this beautiful mm-hmm. bedroom and um she was you know six years old when this happened and so it was just this you know awesome thing for this six-year-old yeah. girl to to walk in and know that this house is hers and um you know all of the you know beautiful artwork artwork is also I feel like almost a character mm-hmm. in the book as well um so just all of these beautiful um things that are still in the house from the previous owners and, um, you know, you could just, I, I think that was maybe like more of the typical fairy tale, but this, um, the way the rest of the narrative reads, it almost seems like it's, um, kind of undoing all of that. Like mm-hmm. how, you know, okay, maybe it was a fairy tale for six year old Maeve. Um, but then there was a dark side. To exactly. It. The dark side was kind of like you watch the undoing of that and you kind of see how that plays out in the lives of Danny and Maeve as they get older, kind of once they don't have the house anymore. Yeah. Um, and I guess that is a central and it's a beginning plot point, losing the house and that effect that has on Danny and Maeve, the brother and sister, um, and how they react to that is it's fascinating. Um, but, and and I do, and kind of, is it a fairy tale? One of the things I was thinking about while reading this is who's the villain which is like, I love thinking that with anything I read, like who's the villain? And I think one of the obvious and very fairy tale esque elements, I guess, is the evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. I mean, their dad marries this woman and she ends up being, Horrible. they hate her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's terrible and she kicks them out. And it's sort of the story of loss that way. And, um, but I don't know if she's, the, I mean, she's certainly a villain, but I don't know if she's the only villain because, um, there are some other characters who are, are, I guess, set up that way as well. I didn't know if you, if you thought who the villain was, if there was one in your mind or. I also thought Andrea was the stepmother was the villain. Um, I, I mean, I think you're kind of set up to not like her absolutely anyway um with with the way the book is structured and i don't think um, ann paget pulls any punches with that we, yeah, exactly. we're not supposed to like yes, andrea yes <laughs> the stepmother um but yeah so that I, I guess in my mind like my first thought would be like andrea's the villain um i think everyone 
else is a lot more complex. Um, even um, Andrea's daughters, Norma and Bright, I I think just maybe to some extent they're kind of like on Andrea's right Andrea's team, right? Because yeah. they're her daughters and they get to stay in the, the house. Step exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not exactly yeah. ugly. Yeah, but then you come to find out later that they've actually had kind of a complicated history with their mom and one of them I, it sounds like the one that who's the yoga instructor which i think was uh, was bright. that right yeah um you know she's off in canada she doesn't yeah, even talk to her mom anymore out. yeah she's not coming <laughs> back to care for her mom so um you have the sense that maybe they you know maybe they were it had some experience with andrea too where she was like the villain right like she was like kind of the bad character and maybe they kind of suffered a little bit with her being in kind of her she came across as like a control freak mm -hmm. to me and I could kind of see how that would be, you know, tough for, for children. Absolutely. So, um, so even though I think Norman Bright were uh, maybe at times the villain, like, right. Like they got Maeve's bedroom and kind of kicked Maeve out. Yeah. Um, but that was all the machinations of, of Andrea. Andrea. Yes. Yeah. So I think it was more, so, you know, even they kind of were humanized and I think, um, Celeste, who is Danny's wife, um, I think there were, times where she was kind of pitted against Maeve, right? Because they ended up having some sort of tiff mm -hmm. between the two of them. But that was a pretty multifaceted, like they were both pretty multifaceted characters. Mm -hmm. so you could kind of see it from both, a both angles. So I think Andrea is really the only kind of like one dimensional villain, at least. In, I would yeah. agree. W and speaking of Andrea, I feel like you have to bring up um, Elna, who is uh, Maeve and Danny's biological mother. And she, leaves i mean she yes. leaves them yep. um that's right in the beginning of the book i i feel like that's villainous in some ways um but she's a complex character how did you feel about her i mean i think it's, it's, it's hard for readers with her in in my opinion because of her act of leaving them and sort of throwing them at the mercy of her father, of their father. And then, you know, she, she's gone. She's their mom. She's gone. H how did you feel about her? That is a, that's another good question. Um, I, the only part of the book where I had a little bit of trouble kind of like suspending my disbelief was when Elna came back at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't so hard to believe that she would have left. Um, although I think it was, you know, a poor, very poor parenting decision, right, but right. I, I think it was believable. The parents that she, leave. I mean, that's yes, the thing it that happens. happens. It happens, and um, not that they should, but right. you know, that, that does happen. And so that wasn't unbelievable to me. But when she, and it wasn't wholly unbelievable that she came back, but the way Maeve just kind of Embraced like, her. yeah, it was like, oh, she just made a mistake. And I was like, oh, and I think Danny said this is like, just making a mistake is like you pick the wrong paint color, yeah. you like, you know, furnish the floors th or, you know, finish the floors the wrong way, not just like leaving your children. So I found May's reaction to her coming back to be unbelievable. Um, but it was, it was redeemed a little bit by kind of Danny. Like, I think I would have felt the same way Danny would have felt. For like, sure. she left. Like, what is she doing back? Like, I Anger. don't want anything to do with her. But then he kind of, he came around because of Maeve, right? Like, he was trying to do what was best for his sister. Yeah. Um, which I, I was believable from his character. And I think is like a very kind of normal, you know, human reaction. Sometimes we'll do things we don't want to do, um, you know, for the people we love. So that, that to me seemed... I, I could understand his reaction. I couldn't understand Maeve. So I, I feel like that was the only like 
part for me where I'm like, I just, it was hard. I had a hard time just yeah. believing that somebody's could have their parent just leave and then come back out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden After they're like 40 years, exactly. I mean, with like, no, decades. um, like no contact, no, you know, no letters. And then not only does she come back, but then she ends up caring for Andrea at the end. Yeah. Like that just, that to me just seemed a little too far fetched. That was the only part where I'm just kind of like, Ooh, like really? And it um, was too far fetched yeah. for Maeve as well. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's sort of what did her in. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I kind of saw Elna as more of like, I don't know. I mean, she was, she was somewhat developed. She, you know, somewhat, yeah. you kind of got to, I guess, understand a little bit of like what made her work and like how she was wired. And I can certainly see if you weren't, if you were used to like a very, um, to being kind of you know, poor or, um, you know, not having access to the things you have access to in the Dutch house. And then you're kind of thrown into mm -hmm. that life. And all of a sudden you've being got unable to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden you've got people at your beck and call and just being, yeah, that, that I can see that being a very, um, just weird experience and yeah. I can kind of understand somebody maybe handling that that poorly um I thought the comparison to um saint sainthood um yes. with Elna um and I believe it's Danny who she has this interaction with Danny and and um you know and she <laughs> I mean I guess the moral of the story is if you like a girl and she's in a convent trying to become a nun because this is what happened their dad went and was like let's get out of here like maybe just leave her at yeah. the convent because that's <laughs> probably where she's supposed to be to begin with yeah. but comparing her to a saint and saying you know I, I bet a lot of saints their families didn't get along with them or didn't necessarily agree with the choices they made right um which is interesting just if you know much about you know the saints I mean especially back in the day I mean the choices um that those people made and you know, it was kind of controversial and yeah. Francis of Assisi was born into a wealth, wealthy family and he rejected everything and his family was not very happy with him. And so thinking about that in, in comparison to Elna is sort of, I, I feel like it's hard because it's hard to be like a mother leaving her children is a justifiable act. But right. I thought that was an, a really interesting comparison and something that I don't know that I would have drawn on my own if it had not been prompted but yeah i don't think yeah, yeah. I, I agree and so i'm not i'm not sure that i think she's a saint but um saints and villains and all that and are i guess in this in this tale um what did you think um of danny and Maeve's relationship the brother and sister i um i thought it was wonderful like i loved reading about it um i thought they were kind of such an interesting pair because they like Maeve was both kind of a sister and a parent to him just Absolutely. given the like the circumstances they found themselves in um and she was enough older uh, enough older than him like I think seven years yeah, is their age right. gap yep. that it lent itself their whole situation to, yes. to creating that dynamic certainly yeah. um because when she was kind of like th you know or when Andrea had like essentially thrown Danny out Maeve was already on her own I mean she was the one who came and got him and they stayed at her apartment and she was paying for everything and making dinner and like uh, kind of all of those like parental duties. Um, and so it was kind of, it was interesting to, to, to read about them from both from the perspective, perspective of siblings. Right. And they had this like common experience of like losing their dad at a pretty young age and being abandoned by their mother and like living in this wonderful house and then losing, losing the house. They had those kind of like, you know, shared experiences as you would with 
your siblings, but then there was also kind of, I don't know, the sense like Maeve was still like maybe parenting Danny mm-hmm. um, and kind of telling him what to do. Um, like I actually found the, um, the, the thread where he like had to go to medical school just mm-hmm. to use up the money in the educational trust actually kind of funny. Like yeah. that was like kind of like a little bit of comic relief, like throughout the entire like book was how he didn't like he was doing all of these things and didn't didn't want to be a doctor and but really just, just wanted to doing it to drain this exactly trust because yeah. that was all they had left from their <laughs> that was like previous the only, life that was the and only was, vengeance they could to get their, yeah the evil stepmother yeah i thought that was funny too yeah um, so i kind of enjoyed that but i was like i mean that was really like it hurt like she she told him to do that like yes. i don't know many siblings where it's like if your brother or your sister tells you to do something like Typically, most right. people wouldn't follow no. follow through. You, they would tell you to do something, and you'd do the opposite. Yes. That's what yeah. I do with my siblings. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought they – I liked the relationship as well. I thought it was endearing and, like, totally agree. Maeve became a parental figure to Danny. Um, sometimes I felt like it was a little codependent, and especially with yep. Celeste and uh, Danny's wife. Um, and I, and I know they sort of end up in, uh, they don't end up together, I guess, let's say that, but, and Danny says it's because of him, but I I don't know. I felt like Maeve was like, became this overbearing mother-in-law sort of (laughs) trope figure as well. And so I I felt like, I, I don't know. I, I get why they had the relationship that they did. It made complete sense knowing their stories, but at a certain point, I, I felt like maybe Maeve stepped over the line. Um, I don't know if maybe I'm overthinking it, but they seemed a little codependent to a certain point. And I could see yeah. how that would, if you were a wife, that would drag on you after a certain point. Like, it's your sister. Can't you just kind of like, we need boundaries. But yeah. they they couldn't have any boundaries yeah. just based on their shared history. And so. I think it was like both Maeve was stepping over the line and then Danny was allowing it. Right. And it was was always kind of like letting it happen. Right. And Um, so I feel like Celeste kind of got a raw deal a a little bit because I think she's kind of set up as a plot point where she's kind of like, I don't know, this nothing character or whatever. And I felt kind of like guilty or not guilty. That's not the right word, but I, I felt bad for her. Like I felt like, she wasn't completely wrong. Yes. Yes. I didn't necessarily like her character. Well, she wasn't totally likable. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I, I do kind of feel like she probably didn't get like the most, you know, there's probably Danny. She but wasn't she, all yeah. wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. she, she had a point. Um, yeah. But um, another thing that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, is the... Um, memory the way memory is I feel like a big part of the narrative um and there are a few times where at the very beginning of the book um Danny and Maeve are talking and um about Andrea and Danny makes some comment like well there were good things about her you just choose to remember only the bad things um and then uh there's another part when Danny meets Celeste for the first time and Maeve is there picking them up at the bus stop and or the train and um Danny remembers it one way where with Maeve being like let's give her a ride home 
Whereas Maeve, he, he says Maeve remembers it, Danny insisting they give mm-hmm. Celeste a ride home. And so I think there's this idea, and they're, they're so in the past because they sort of have this horrible thing happen to them, and it's like this arrested development, and they can't move beyond it. And so they're reliving all of these memories, and there's a sense that memory is sort of a faulty um, friend. You can't rely on it because one person remembers it one way and, and someone remembers it a different way. I don't know. Did you pick up on that at all? Or did you feel like, I don't, I felt like a little bit they got stuck in the past and these memories were all that they had and they kept reliving them. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I actually, one of the parts I liked the most in the book was um, when they, I think finally mutually decided like we're going to stop going yes. to the Dutch house because they would they would get in Maeve's car and they would just drive and they would you know sit Hang out yeah, yeah. they would sit on the street across from the house you know like creepers and just like watch it and then like you know watch the lights come on at dusk and turn off at dawn you know or, yeah. or whatever turn off at dusk and and turn on it at dawn um, and they finally realized like what was it like 40 I think Danny it was, said, it was like 40 yeah, years later yes. that this wasn't like the most healthy thing for them yeah. to be doing um and so I was kind of very like pr- I guess proud of both yes. of them and reading that they were able to like let that go um but I I absolutely think they yeah. were I mean maybe it's because it was like a traumatic you know traumatic that happened but yeah no I think so much of their lives revolved around the past and revolved around the house that they no longer had or yeah. lived in um that I think it was just a very big struggle for both of them yeah. to kind of break free of that. And I feel like Maeve especially bore the brunt of that yes. with me being older and having yes. all these yep. responsibilities. And I felt like she just kind of, her growth was stunted a little bit, which she's such a wonderful character. You want her to like be thriving and whatever. And I felt like, and Danny even sort of alludes to her not living up to her potential necessarily, yes. um, which I don't know, I guess, you'll have to read the book and make that decision for yourself, fellow readers. But, um, well, anyway, we're getting close to the end of our time here. So, um, would you recommend this book to others? Yes, absolutely. would recommend it. Me too. I've already recommended it to like everybody I've seen. (laughs) And you saw Ann Patchett when she was here, right? How was that? I was was out of town. I missed it. It was fabulous. She was actually, I was, um, kind of prepared for a more serious lecture Mm because I've been to a couple of the modern novel lectures here and they've been maybe a little bit more on the serious side. Um, But she was actually, uh, yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But she was funny. Like she was really funny. She was talking about just, um, the kind of the process of writing and how she kind of had to like re like she started it and then had to scrap it and kind of had to rewrite it a lot. Um, and then finally kind of like wrote it, but it was like kind of right up until the deadline. So it was just really interesting to hear about the process and, Great. um, and all of that. So that was a well, lot of fun. I was to, bummed to miss yeah. that, but maybe next time I'm yeah. sure she'll be back. Yes. At least I hope. Yes. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for being here before we go. Uh, what are you reading now? I am actually, um, I am rereading Mrs. Dalloway. Um, oh, I read it wow. in school. Well, English yeah, teacher. I read it in school and, um, I am rereading it for the first time in, in, I don't know, years. Yeah. And it's been really kind of fun to just remember why I yeah. liked it so much in the, in the first place. Are you feeling differently about it this reading or do you feel like your in first impressions still hold fast? Oh, I think my first impressions like yeah. were correct. I mean, yeah. I loved the book in yeah. college and now I'm kind of like, oh, I'd forgotten like how much yeah. I, I enjoy this. So that's like one thing I'm yeah. trying to do is like do do a better job of like rereading things yeah. I really enjoyed. 
well, maybe we'll have to pick one of those yes. to do it some, some be other fun. time. Because I was not an English major, so there are gaping holes in my oh. uh, reading yeah. <laughs> uh, history. But I'm actually reading The Odyssey right now oh, for the also library discussion yes. group. And um, I have like one book left. And so that'll be exciting to finish that. It's been um, a, su- a pleasant surprise. Oh, good. I will okay. say. The translation by Emily Wilson is fabulous. Good. So um, I would recommend that also to anyone so all right well thanks again Lindsay, uh for being here uh chris our excellent producer thank you for producing this and hillary for putting it together and uh we'll see everybody at the next one thank you for joining us on the 12th story to make sure you catch every episode subscribe through itunes or soundcloud and your good words are better than any advertisement if you like what you heard tell your friends or tweet to us at mercantile lib Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Special thanks to Virginia Anderson and Lindsay Nichols. The Twelfth Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. The literary center of Cincinnati, the Mercantile is a 184-year-old working library with more than 80,000 books available to members. The library organizes book discussion groups and writing workshops and welcomes thousands each year to its author talks, lectures, and other civic events. Harriet Beecher Stowe and Herman Melville, Colson Whitehead, and Margaret Atwood all have spoken at Mercantile events. Visit us online at mercantillibrary.com where you can learn about and register for all our upcoming events or stop by the library. We're at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and we always welcome new members and guests. You belong here.